1: What is up, people? I am in for Adam the Bull today. He is he has great news about his wife on the medical side. I don't want to spill it. I'll wait for Adam to awesome. get back to tell it, but he is not here because he is taking care of some family business, but I promise you it is good news, very, very good news. And we have a legendary guest coming up in literally 60 seconds. So we're gonna skip the introductions. You know G Bush, you know Jason. We gotta get Bull's bet of the day before we bring on
2: Mark Price. But Anthony, who is our Bet of the Day brought to us by? The bet of the day is always brought to us by Bet Rivers. Hey, Ohio, Bet Rivers Online Sportbook is the place to be for every single game. Now is the perfect time to join Bet Rivers Sportbook when you use deposit code SPORTS. You'll receive a second chance bet up to $500. Get in on all the action and weekly specials with your favorite sports like basketball and hockey to help you win big. Check out BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app today for the latest lines, odds, and boosts. And bet The bet today is the raise minus 122 at Yankees. Bull is a baseball savant. so He went 1-1 yesterday? He He
1: went 1-1 yesterday. He is up 10 games on his baseball bets this year. If you want to make money on betting baseball, bet with Bull. He's taking the raise on the money line against the Yankees in New York City. Always a risky bet, but Bull, when you win at the rate he's winning at, you ride with Bull. And when you need to make a shot, at least when the Cavs need to make a shot, back in the 90s, they called on this guy. Legendary point guard Mark Price, former Cavalier. Mark, thanks for joining us this morning. How are you doing today, sir?
3: I'm doing great, guys. Hope you guys are well.
1: We awesome. are. We are. And we thank you for coming on. You've been our uh, White Whale guest for a year now, and it is an honor to have you joining the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. I know Jason wants to ask about shooting prowess and different eras of basketball, so I'll go in a different route and save that for Jason. But Mark, it was a disappointing end to the Cavs' season this year in totality when you look back at the 82 games of the regular season and how it ended against the Knicks. Uh, did you expect more from the squad come playoff time?
3: Well, I think uh, I think everybody had a few question marks just because they were so young. Uh, there was so much lack of experience going into these playoffs. Uh, besides Donovan Mitchell's experience in the playoffs, but um, I think everybody's hopes were high because of such a great regular season, uh, winning 51 games, got everybody's hopes up. I think the only thing that was probably disappointing uh, to me a little bit was uh, toward the last few games, the little bit of lack of competitiveness uh, out there, it looked like to me, whether they won or not, but uh, overall, like I told many people, I think just getting that taste of playoff experience, you can not You can talk about it, you can say it's going to be different, but until you actually are, are playing a seven-game series and having to do the back and forth of what that brings, uh, I think... Overall, it's going to be of great value to these young guys as they head into next season. Hopefully, they'll learn some lessons. Uh, I think they were all disappointed in their performance uh, during the playoffs. But, you know, hopefully that will drive them to uh, to work harder this summer and to be a little bit more hungry going into next year.
4: You know, Mark, when you, when you play, you know, I, I remember just watching you guys and in, in, in the Eastern Conference at that time, you know, it it was almost like the best of the best. There was, you know, the Cavs were sandwiched in between, uh, you know, you had the the Celtics from the eighties, you had the Pistons who won back to back championships, obviously our arch nemesis, the Chicago Bulls, but teams like the Philadelphia 76ers were really competitive. Uh, The Atlanta Hawks with Dominique Wilkins were very good too. So, you know, when you look at that climate, um, can you kind of compare that and contrast it to, to how you would go in every single year, not really knowing who was going to be a team from year to year that could give you a really tough time.
3: Well, I think uh, you hit hit the nail on the head. Uh, The Eastern Conference was uh, was a beast (laughs) back when we were playing. I mean, the Pistons were winning championships. The Bulls were winning championships, the Celtics. uh, Most of the championships were coming out of the East. Uh, And so, I mean, you could go down the list. I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks had good teams. Uh, You mentioned it, the talent on the Atlanta Hawks. So night in, night out, it was super, super competitive. And it was always going to be a question mark. I mean, even the New Jersey Nets, who we had to play a couple times in the first round, were a very talented team with guys like Derek Coleman and Drazen Petrovic and that crew. So uh, it was night in, night out, I think, helped maybe prepare us. A little bit more. Uh, I think the Eastern Conference this year uh, wasn't as strong, and so I think it was positive for the Cavs to get good placement in the playoffs finishing fourth. But, uh, you know, the lack of preparation might have hurt them a little bit because they are allowing things to be a little bit more physical in the playoffs, which the league had gotten away from for the last couple of years. So. Uh, but making that adjustment is something that uh, they're going to have to grow through, uh, learn from their experience this year. And at least they now have a have an understanding of uh, what it takes once you step uh, step out into the playoffs. And it's going to be a little bit different game than the regular season.
0: Mark, I do want to ask you about shooting. And I think you were ahead of your time. But when we're talking about this era of the, of the Cavs and this year's version, there were a lot of comparisons to this team and your team in terms of like good guys that are just quiet they're not loud they're not out there it's not ego driven they're just good guys who play well together but there also came a label of soft and your teams were always labeled as soft I'm just wondering if you ever took offense to that if that ever bothered you
3: well it didn't bother us because we knew it wasn't true uh you know we played a offensively a little bit more of a finesse game probably than, than some teams just because we had such great shooters and ball movement and the way we we passed the ball offensively, but I mean, we had three, seven footers on our team. I mean, we were up in the top of the league and and blocked shots every year and steals and and, and those kind of things. So, you know, it, uh, it kind of went in one ear and out the other. I think, you know, people try to, I mean, we weren't out there trying to take people's heads off every night, like the Pistons (laughs) or, or trying to hurt people out there. But we, you know, the whole idea of being soft, I think is, uh, you know, something that people like to talk about. I don't know if that's anywhere near what, what our team was. But uh, I think more than anything, I think compared to like this team this year, it's just a learning experience and growing. There, They got some skilled players. I mean, you had a guy make the all-defensive team and Evan Mobley this year as a young player. I think that bodes well. Jared Allen's a shot blocker as well. I think they got away a little bit from what they do uh, in the playoffs. And I mean, when you got guys like that, I mean, I wasn't, you know, a great one-on-one defender, but I knew how to funnel guys to my help. And I mean, if I was going to get beat, I was going to make sure they were getting funneled to Brad or Larry or Hot Rod who was going to clean it up behind me. And the Cavs have that in Mobley and and, and Jared Allen. So, you know, they got to do a little bit better. I thought they allowed too many easy looks from the outside. Make those guys drive it into your strength make them play over those big guys behind you. That's what they did all year long. And uh, they seem to get away get away from it a little bit in the playoffs.
1: Mark, in your career, you averaged 5.3 three-point attempts per game, which was, you know, in the top 10% of your era. In today's NBA, that's like number 75 in the league. There are almost 80 guys in the league shooting five threes a game. How many threes do you think you would have taken per game if you were playing in the 2022-2023 season?
3: Oh man, uh you you're exactly right. Like I actually led the league twice in five point <laughs> five three-pointers taken a game. And uh, that's like a first quarter stat now. So <laughs> yeah, whenever whenever we get together, Brad and Larry and those guys, I tell them, "Man, you guys are lucky we're not playing today cuz I would never pass you guys the ball." I'm just like, "The <laughs> jack it up, oh, man. I'm going to get my, I'm going to get my 13, 14 threes up a night." <laughs>
4: You know, uh, Mark, you, you, this is, uh, you, you brought up Evan Mobley as a defensive player, um, uh, you know, on, on the first team, all defense. Now, we've talked about it. And you've been a great shooter. You're shooting over five threes a game, right? Back then, that was insane. Um, you also have been in shooting coaching. You've also uh, been in coaching. Um, and we talk about Evan Mobley as a guy to really unlock what the Cavs can really be. Um, for him to have develop a a, a three-point shot. to him develop something where he can positionally be in the low or high 30s, low 40s to get, you know, the Cavs to be where they need to go. Do you think a player is either intrinsically given a gift to just be able to shoot? Or as a coach, do you think you could possibly unlock some of those shooting ability inside a player who's traditionally hasn't been a three-point shooter?
3: Well, I think uh, especially now with the emphasis on three-point shooting, I mean, most every team in the league seems like has a shooting coach now or someone that fills that role. Um, I definitely think everybody can improve their shooting. Now, can a guy go from a, average shooter to a great shooter. I, I'm not so sure about that. I think there's just something that some guys just have. I mean, can, you know, Evan Mobley could work till he's blue in the face and he's not going to become Steph Curry. You know, it's just uh, some of those top ranked shooters just have something that's a little bit, you know, different, you know, a different mindset, a different touch to to what they do. It's something that they are comfortable with. And I, I don't see Evan Mobley ever kind of turning into that type of player. I think, his, you know, he could be one of the top two-way players in in the league by far because he does have the ability to score. And I don't think, I don't know that he'll ever be a 25 a game scorer, but he doesn't have to be. You know, I mean, if Evan Mobley gives you, you know, 16, 18, you know, points a game with all the defense that he does and the way he can alter the game, I mean, that's that's a that's a huge step. And consistently, you know, you know, he doesn't have to be a 25, 26 point a score to affect the game, but he's got to be able to score enough points to uh, be a problem to to make it difficult on the other team to just load up on Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland every night.
0: Well, we're talking about Mobley. He actually regressed as a three point shooter this year. He went from around 25% last year down to around 21, 22% this year. I know that's something he keeps working on and and kind of to what G was asking you, what's realistic for him. You know, I don't think he's going to go from 22 to 35% in one summer. But what do you think is a realistic jump that someone in his position could make?
3: Well, I think if he continues to work on it, I think he could eventually get himself in the 30, you know, 30 percent range uh, three point wise. But I just always go back to, you know, is that helping by him shooting a bunch of threes? Is that helping the Cavs or is that helping him as much? I'm not so sure. I, I think you got to play to your strengths. I think you've seen guys over the year that have had huge impacts, guys like DeMar DeRozan, uh, you know, even Kawhi Leonard to a certain extent, and he shoots a few threes, but he's a mid-range player. And I think, uh, you know, you look at a Jokic, uh, different guys like that. I mean, Jokic might take two or three threes a game, but, you know, he's doing his damage, you know, mid-range, around the free throw line, you know, becoming a problem, you know, being able to feed his teammates, score, and uh, I think – you know, yeah, obviously he wants to improve his three-point shooting, but I think if he's spending all his time focused on that, I don't know that that's, that's going to be the right direction for him to go. I think he can affect the game much better in, in much different ways.
0: How do you just how do you feel about the way that the game has evolved to where it has – you mentioned a couple guys that still thrive in, in mid-game or mid-range, but most of it is threes and layups. And I'm just wondering as a, as a point guard – and by the way, Let's make sure people realize you were a 40% three-point shooter in your career. That's Ray Allen-like. That's better than James Harden's career. Like, best of the best, a shooter before his time. But maybe you love it because you were a good three-point shooter. Just where are you at with the with today's era of NBA basketball and the emphasis on three-pointers or layups?
3: Yeah, I think uh, the analytics has obviously taken over the uh, league, and, you know, you watch a team, and I think – People get enamored because the Golden State Warriors had won championships shooting a ton of threes every night. But I think you know it always goes back to what your personnel is and, and taking advantage of, of, of what you have and, and who you have on, on your team. I mean, I, I was a three point shooter. I was a very efficient three point shooter, and I, I I'm a much more about efficiency over than than volume, and so. And I enjoy the all-round game. I think that's why I enjoy guys like Jokic, Embiid, and those guys. I love seeing skilled big guys again that are doing damage around the paint and and around the free throw line and making their teammates better. Uh, And I hope more teams would get to that. I mean, being a three-point shooter, kind of boring sometimes to watch teams take 90 to (laughs) 100 three-pointers in a game. I mean, uh, I would say half of those, in my opinion, aren't even very good shots. And uh, so, I mean, there's debates on that with every, uh, every different person has their opinion on it. But uh, I guess I'm old school in a lot of ways. I love the all-round game. I love seeing really good skilled big guys. And the thing is, when you have really good skill, look at Jokic. I mean, they're getting up a lot of threes, but it's because they're playing through him. You have to double team him, and then he's going to hit it and swing it to the three-point shooters that can make the shots out there. And I think that's why Denver's so good.
1: Mark, I was going to ask a different question, but you just said something I have to follow up on. If you could run a pick and roll with any player in today's NBA to create the most deadly version of a Mark Price and player X pick and roll, which big man are you choosing to set that screen for you?
3: Uh, today, I would go with Jokic for sure. I mean, you just he's just so skilled, and he reminds me a lot. Of, you know, I was fortunate. I got to play with a great center in Brad Doherty, and Brad reminds me a lot of, of Jokic, a lot of similarities in their game brad was probably one of the best passing centers in the game when we played and it's just such an advantage as a player to have a big guy that i mean he's you leave him by himself he's scoring in there and if you double team him he's going to hit the open guy and and uh when you have a guy that can do those things it's a lot of fun to play with
1: and one more question from me mark when you uh you know, on top of being an excellent sharpshooter, you were a phenomenal point guard in the traditional sense, too. You averaged over 10 assists a couple times, you know, between 7 and 9 for your entire career. When the game was on the line, and this kind of played into what we saw late with the Cavs this year, in the postseason especially, it didn't look like they had that guy who wanted the ball in crunch time late who said, give me, give me the ball, I'll put the team, the offense on my back, I'll make it happen. Do you think they would have benefited from either Darius or Donovan being in more of a traditional point guard role to set up some offensive sets late in games against the Knicks, when they were so heavily focused on making one of those two guys pass out of double teams and let one of the other three guys on the court beat them, um, just based on how you played and what you saw from your your time doing that for you know over a decade in the NBA.
3: Well, I think uh, you know that's that's something that the Cavs have got to grow in offensively, and I thought there were times this season during the regular season they were, but. I just felt like there was way too many times during the playoffs that Mobley or Allen just were not getting enough touches on the offensive end. And I think when good players, and and I think that's part of being a really good point guard understanding. I mean, I understood if I wanted to keep my big guys involved, if if I wanted them to help me on the defensive end or set a good screen on my guy, you know, I had to keep them happy, you know, sometimes and keep them happy on the offensive end and keep them involved and I even remember times during games, Larry Nance might maybe hadn't touched the ball three or four times and he'd run down the group and said, Mark, get me, give me a shot here. Give me a touch. And that's just the relationship that, that we had by playing together for so long that, you know, and as a point guard, you know, that was my job. Uh, you know, yeah, I had to look for mine and there were certain games I might have had the advantage and and might get up more shots, but I also needed to make sure I kept my, my teammates engaged in the game. And I think, uh, Donovan and, and Darius are both so good offensively and the one-on-one things, but I think at times, if you do too much of that, uh, the other guys get to standing around and watching and get out of the flow of things. And I think that's the, that's the balance. That's the fine line you have to, have to walk when you're a point guard. Uh, yeah, I'm, I can get mine if I want to or need to, but I also need to make sure I'm taking care of everybody else.
0: What's your best story from those 80s, 90s Cavs team that we don't know?
3: <laughs> the best story? Man, uh, there's a lot of stories, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, I think just for us, you know, being in a situation where, you know, we were in the heat of it with some of the best teams ever. I mean, the Bulls and the Pistons and, and things like that, but. I think more or less it was us believing in ourselves. It's hanging together as a team. And I think that's when you start seeing things. And that's what I like about this team as well, the current Cavs team, is they, they seem to like each other. And that's uh, that's really important. I think you get a group of guys that actually like each other, that's, that's more rare than you realize <laughs> on an NBA roster. And so, uh, you know, when you develop that, and you get to play. We were fortunate that core group of guys I played with. We got to play, play together for you know seven, eight years together. And we weren't just good teammates; we were friends. And we, you know, our families were growing up together, and and we were close. And uh, when you have that, uh, you got a chance to have something special. And teams that can go out and compete night in, night out, and and that's what it really takes when you're all pulling together. And, And I think that this current Cavs team has that they seem to anyway uh, from just watching from from the outside. Uh, Now it's just, you know, continuing on the path. Hopefully the team can add some pieces that they need moving forward for next year to make them even better. But uh, they're definitely a team on the rise and hopefully they can uh, continue to grow and and grow together.
4: Mark, um, I like to highlight people from different eras who who maybe the fans don't really kind of know about right. Um, you know, when you play against, when you, you have an opportunity to see pros play, um, sometimes on TV, you don't understand how just how good and skilled even the, the ninth or 10th ten guy, guy on the bench is. Uh, give me a name, uh, underrated name of someone you played with in your time during the 80s and early 90s that you uh, had a very difficult time with, or you just played with and was like, man, this guy is so freaking awesome. Like, do you have a name or two of uh, guys that may be underrated that uh, that were really, really skilled, but people may not give them their just due?
3: Well, I think you make a really good point because I played in an era where there was only 24 teams in the league. And so teams were deep. Like, I mean, from your top player to your, to to your number eight player, those guys, six, seven, and eight could come in and give you 20 on a given night. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had a guy come through a couple of years while I played with the Cavs named John Battle mm-hmm. that a lot of people probably don't remember. or That name's probably a lot of kids now probably have no idea. But, I mean, that guy was like instant offense. I mean, he was our version of Benny Johnson, you know, who played with the Pistons. I mean, when John Battle came in the game, he was coming in for one reason, and that was to get buckets. And uh, And he could do it. I mean, he could just flat out score. And there was a lot of guys in the league like that, I mean, it really meant something to be six man of the year back back in those days, because those guys were legit and they could really really score. And you had, you know, I mean, guys coming in. I mean, before Ron Harper got traded, you know, mm-hmm. we, had, we had Craig Elo, Hot Rod Williams, you know, guys like John Battle coming off the bench for us. I mean, that's how that's how deep uh, we were. And so. Uh, you know, I think John Battle's a guy for me that jumps up when you ask that question of somebody that's underrated. I mean, John, just he was just – you knew what you were going to get from him every night, and he uh, he came in and he, he got it done.
1: Mark, we'll let you get out of here on this, but Brad Sellers is a co-host of ours. He's not here today, but he's on the show twice a week. I know you guys had some battles throughout your NBA times. Do you have a uh, Brad Sellers story you can share with us before we let you go today?
3: Well, Brad – the only story you know brad was obviously on the Bulls teams that we we battled against and if I'm not mistaken I I could be wrong you'd have to ask Brad this but uh on, on the shot that Michael hit uh, I'm, I'm thinking Brad was the one that was throwing the ball inbounds if I'm not if I'm yeah. not mistaken on this, yeah I could be wrong but you to you're ask right. him that but you're right but uh Brad uh Brad was you know he was he was a good player he role play for them a big guy that could shoot he was a little before his time as well you know the a, a shooting uh, big man that could stretch the floor. But uh, yeah, Brad Brad was a good player. Tell him I said hello next time uh, well, he's on the show.
0: Before you get out of here, since we brought it up, we haven't really talked about it. Was that, was the shot year the most heartbreaking for you or which team did you, there was a couple teams in there that boy, they were good enough to win a championship. And I know that was a first round series, but was that the hardest one or was there one that, that leaves a more bitter taste in your mouth than that one?
3: Uh, that was definitely, you know, if not the hardest, one of the hardest ones just because we felt like we were a better team. Uh, unfortunately, we had injuries. I didn't get to play the first game of that series, which put us in a hole a little bit. Uh, but yeah, we had beaten Chicago six times that year. A lot of mm-hmm. people don't realize that. We had pretty much dominated them all during the season. And, uh, we were banged up, and then Michael, you know, hit. You know, a lot of people forget we were down one with six seconds to go. And we throw it in, and Craig Elo gets a backdoor cut, and we score in three seconds to take the lead. So, I, I mean, yeah. the ups and downs in the last <laughs> six seconds of that game in the crowd, I mean, everybody's just going nuts. And then three seconds later, it's like dead silence in the building. But yeah, that was tough. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we got beat by maybe the greatest player that ever played, uh, making the great one of the greatest shots he ever made. Uh, so, you know, walking
1: do <laughs> Well, Mark, we appreciate you taking some time to spend with us on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show today. Best of luck with whatever you're doing in the future. And if you ever want to come back, the floor is yours, Mark. Appreciate it.
4: Appreciate you. All
3: right, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks.
1: Thank you. That was legendary Cavs guard Mark Pars. My
0: favorite player of those teams as a kid. He was by far my favorite. Just
1: player. so far ahead of his era. Yes. And very rarely do am I not the best shooter in a conversation and I Yeah, no I, problem. Can't even, can't even compete no with that. It, so. <laughs> and you said 40 is elite shooter. I shot 42% in college.
0: Well, oh, so there you so. go. Division three.
1: But because Mark joined us at 11:02, we didn't even tell you what's coming up on the rest of the show. Uh-oh. So let's take a moment before we do Lincoln Electric to preview what's coming up in the next 90 minutes. We have former Browns punter Dave Zastado, who lives in Bay Village still. Yep. Didn't realize he was a local guy joining us at noon. We're gonna talk schedule release, dream and nightmare week one matchups. Donovan Mitchell. All-NBA second team, was he snubbed of the first team? The Guardians' offense continues to be absolutely putrid. We will talk about that and maybe have some fun at the end if, uh, if we have time. But, Anthony, we're talking Browns, and that means Lincoln Electric is our sponsor.
2: Yeah, and just so you guys know, Lincoln Electric is now hiring for great jobs. They're experts in the electrical manufacturing and welding fields. Go check them out today at lincolnelectriccom jobs. The schedule release,
1: 8 p.m. tonight. We are starting to see some leaks come out. Uh, I initially had picked the dream matchup for week one, in my opinion, to be the Jets versus the Browns. But we know that's not going to be the case now because the Jets are playing the Bills, I believe, in week one. Whatever it is, it's not the Browns. So we'll start with you, Jason. Your dream week one matchup for the Cleveland Browns.
0: Well, dream to me means win. And what better way to start a season than against a guy who's never coached a game before at the NFL level? So for my dream matchup, give me the Arizona Cardinals and John Gannon returning home to Cleveland Mm -hmm. for his first game. You know, the nerves will be high. Uh, Calling his first game, Drew Petsing, the Cardinals offensive coordinator from Cleveland. I'm sorry, not from Cleveland, but was with the Browns on staff last year coming back. And there's just a lot of kinks to be worked out when you're doing it for the first time. And uh, a lot of things you don't know until you go through it and experience it. So give me a first time coach, give me a, a rookie head coach with a team that is not that good and uh, bring them here into Cleveland, make them come across the country and rack up an easy, not easy, but rack up a a week one win that hasn't been very common around these parts. The Browns typically up until last year, and it took a last second 106 yard field goal last year to win it (laughs) at the buzzer. They don't have a lot of success in week one. So uh, I think that's probably the best path to,
4: to victory in week one. Do you think do you think uh Kyler Murray will be ready back?
1: No, oh, he's not playing till at least week 10.
4: At least week 10. There you go. Yeah, well, that, that's a good one. There, yeah, that, that's a very good one. That I, I, I'll take that. Gee, what's yours? <clears throat> well, I got a couple, but I'm gonna just go with the uh, the top of the food chain. I think I sent you two. I said either the Colts or somebody else. Who did I send you? The Colts or the don't take, throw take my take graphic. graphic? Yeah, gee. There it is. I, so I had I had another squad down there too, but my first choice was the Colts. Uh, and the reason um, that I picked the Colts is a lot like my man right here, Jason. Uh, I don't know who they're going to start at quarterback. I don't know if it's going to be the young dude, uh, uh, Richardson. I don't know if it's going to be another backup quarterback. I don't even know uh, what their coach is talking about. So they got all of the new stuff. I like to catch a young rookie quarterback. I like to catch rookie coaches and I like to catch teams that's kind of in turmoil. So <laughs> I look at that game as a game where you, you got all the right ingredients and you want to get off to a quick start. And I think if you look at the rosters, <laughs> you, you look at the Browns. Yes, they've retooled the defense, but I think that defense is going to get some experience. Um, they do got a, a running game um, in, in, in Indianapolis, but I think that's a game McNuggets. The Browns would love to see on the schedule, given the fact that they they have an experience level, um, and they're just. They're, I think they're just better overall team, and I think yeah. that's a, give opportunity for Deshaun Watson to get off to a fast start.
2: Anthony, G, just so you know, your other pick was the Texans. I went back and reviewed the.
4: Ah uh, yes, yes. I would. I'll take the Texans too.
2: Yeah. So I went in a little different direction than you guys, and I totally, I
1: totally get the points you're making, but. We spend the whole offseason speculating and thinking we know know things and hoping we get answers. Well, in Week 1, I actually want answers. And I don't want to play the best team on the schedule, but I don't also want to play the worst team because the worst teams are still alive in Week 1. They have the same record as everyone. Mm -hmm. They're not dead. I want to play the teams that are going to suck later in the year when they're fighting to tank to get that top pick, especially next year with guys like Caleb Williams and Drake May in the draft. So my dream Week 1 matchup for the Browns would be at home, against the 49ers Woo! and let me tell you why Brock is coming off his Tommy John surgery he may not he be may back not to be full ready. health yeah. so that means we're looking at either Trey Lance or Sam Darnold at quarterback but more importantly I want answers and the two biggest questions going into the season for the Browns are A can Jim Schwartz Dalvin Tomlinson Siaki Ika Oboe and the rest of this revamped defense stop the run well what better test than maybe the most creative run offense in the entire league in Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers and number two What is this Kevin Stefanski offense going to look like with Deshaun Watson with a full offseason, a full year, no distractions, all his new weapons? And what better way to get an answer to that test than playing one of the best defenses in the league without their star defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans, because he's in Houston with the Texans. So they're going under a little coaching change. Their defense may not be as good in week one as it will be in week five, six, seven, eight. Later in the season, when they get some continuity. So I want a real test and I want real answers, but I don't want the hardest test yet. So with that,
4: I want to see the 49ers in Week One. That you may not want all the smoke, but you got a lot of the smoke. No, that's Bring a it whole on. ton Bring it of on. smoke, like that. You know, because because the 49ers, you say Shanahan is the most creative by far. He's the most creative um, co- head coach when it comes at least to in the run and then run at game. least in the run game. at least in the run game, he he'll run the ball with fullbacks. He'll run the balls with tight ends. He'll run the ball with receivers. He'll do it from. Motion, he'll do a uh, uh, split action, he'll even run a little bit of read option. And I think Trey Lance will be running some of that if he's the quarterback, if, if Purdy is not available. And you not only stress yourself, you know, defensively trying to stop that run game, but uh, uh, when you talk about on offense and the Browns going against the 49ers defense, I mean, they're, they're, they're top 1 2 defense yeah. in, in, in the whole entire league, besides the Philadelphia Eagles. You got Bosa. Uh, They just signed Hargrave? Just just signed Hargrave. So, man, that's a tough way to start. I
1: just want answers. We (laughs) spent six, seven, eight, nine months speculating what we think could happen, what we think the offense is going to look like, how we think Tomlinson and these defensive tackles are going to serve the run game. I don't want to speculate. I want proof. And as bad as the Cardinals may be, as horrid as the Colts may be, we may not actually know anything about the Browns after week. One of those are the two matches Answers.
4: and frankly, You're we are not going to have any answers off. One answers. Anyway. I want, I
1: want answers. Hey, listen, I want I answers.
4: I can't handle the answers. I listen. You don't that, want the truth. Answers oh, no, I, can I, wind I up <laughs> No, I do not. I do not want, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to know what we are yet. I want to work into it. Right. <laughs> like, I want. Like I don't want to know, like, I, I don't want to look at it in crystal ball. If I'm going on my first date and be like, okay. Mm, dear crystal ball am I going to marry this person or not So, so you don't want to know that you don't like, read, you don't read the last page of the book. No, first. I need to at least go through it and then <laughs> like halfway through at least change my mind the 49ers to me and I don't want them to figure it out either because think about it. We could play them once somebody gets healthy and if they figure it out at quarterback, we yeah. really in trouble. So wouldn't you rather play in week one than week
1: six or seven when Purdy's back? I, I, would, I would like to have and with the Cardinals, I'd rather play them early as well before Kyler Murray's back. I'd rather play the Colts before Anthony Richardson potentially figures it out. Right. Like, I want all these games earlier in the season before their quarterback situations are secure.
4: I wouldn't mind a third. I wouldn't mind a week three game a week three 49ers a week four like they still ain't gonna have a quarterback back and if they starting off really slow. Like there could be like some little bit of turmoil. What are you guys doing over here? So yeah, I, I would. But week one, Jason's not buying it. Was I'm trying to think if it
0: was week three in 2019 when they went out to San Francisco and got absolutely cooked?
4: Oh, that was 2019. And it was
0: the Charles Frederick Kitchen's year, and Odell oh. was putting himself in the game on punt returns. Just
4: ran on the field. <laughs> right. Just didn't tell anyone. Just ran on the field and returned a punt. I think Baker like stared down two or three dudes. It was pigs. Yep. Like it was over like, in the first quarter. It was like 21 nothing. Of all the bad. Browns games. I've covered the last few years. That might be the worst.
0: Like it was, it was a brutal. Uh, What was the final score that? Oh, I don't remember. It was bad. Like tore their arms and legs off and beat them with them bad. Oh, it was prison beating bad. It was, it was, it was
4: so bad. I was on at the time. I was just doing like Browns content. And I remember getting into it with these 49ers fans and being like, "Yo, y'all was at the same place. We was a a year or so ago. Y'all ain't really that good. And then all of a sudden. I was going back and forth and I, I, I've never that. It was my first mini viral little episode because it was like all of these these 49ers fans was like, yeah, you idiot. And from that point on time, the 49ers have always been good. Like, but they smoked us. It was one to 3. The game 31. was over in the first October, half. It was
0: October 7th. It was uh, it wasn't as early as I thought that not okay.
4: good. And it was on prime time. But well, this
1: this game would be in Cleveland. You'd have the dog pound. I, I just want answers. I, we've speculated long enough. I want to know, is this team for real? And I know you're not going to get every answer in week one. You're not reading the final page of the book. But I just want to know, are we in for a season that we should be excited about for 17, 18 weeks? Or are we going to essentially spend all that time hyping ourselves into it and then realize real quick, eh, it ain't what we wanted. On the flip side, what's your nightmare week one situation, Jason?
0: I went with the divisional opponent, Baltimore as my nightmare because Baltimore at home in September since I, ha- I wrote it down since 2008, they are 21 and eight, 21 and five at home in September. So for that reason alone, and we saw what happened a couple of years ago when the Browns opened again, it was the COVID year. The Browns opened against Baltimore. I don't remember if that was home or away. It was away. And they got smoked. And they got Kevin's first game and they got, they did get smoked extra crispy. That was, they had that fake punt from their own oh, 20 or whatever. Oh. I don't know.
4: To this day, I don't know what happened with that play call. Uh, it was Scottish, a Scottish hammer. Like he just takes the ball. He starts running, gets it blocked. It was not good.
0: No, no, it wasn't good. So I don't want any part of Baltimore, especially Lamar. Now that the contract's figured out, you know, Odell be motivated to go against his former team. I want no part of the Ravens on the road. Week one at home in a place in a month
4: where they've dominated for the last 15 years. And it'd be one Lamar Jackson in September is Otherworldly. Otherworldly Go, he's yeah. healthy. Well, you yeah. know he's going to be yeah. healthy. And he's uh, going to play. He's. Uh, it'd be warm outside. He like he he has an extra gear. Uh, that's, like, a good pick. Yeah, that's a good that's pick. that's a very good, a pick. good pick. Very good. I
1: think that's what you also picked too, and we gave
4: you a different one because. Well, he picked two. I picked. Yeah, I threw two. I threw two out there. I, so I, would you, what would you end up? I with said, back? if Adam LeBlanc can have two bets, I can have two picks. <laughs> so I can have double nightmares. I took. The, I took the. I took the Bengals. Like, Which, real quick, Northern before you go,
1: this is, it has been leaked, not official, but it does appear that this is going to be the week one matchup from a couple sources on Twitter that are maybe not the most reputable, but you have seen a couple of these on Twitter. Home versus Cincinnati is the, the week one opener. But, gee, why, why, is, why is this your nightmare?
4: Well, well I, 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 that's a little bit better, but um, home versus – I'll take home. My nightmare was uh, at the Bengals. If it was at the Bengals we're in trouble because you know once again you have Joe Burrow. Um, now traditionally Joe Burrow starts off a little slow against the Browns in the earlier parts of the season. Yep. Then he warms up a little bit. But my thing is, if you're playing a division foe and you lose that game, you you're basically down two. You already down two games in a division. Like so, I don't like to to, to have that hanging over your head. Now if you can win that game that's a big thing. That's huge, huge if huge. you can win it because you you now say we won in our division against probably the better best team in the division. I just think the comparisons it the second point I don't like is the comparison between Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson, right? If Joe Burrow comes out and he's ready to go and he's throwing the ball all over the park, you're going to have a direct comparison yeah. to what Deshaun Watson is doing that game. And if at and this is year 2, Everybody's going to be counting right now. No, there's Desha- no more excuses. There's no excuses. So now Deshaun Watson versus Joe Burrow. People are going to be expecting. Okay, well, can you keep up with Joe Burrow? Can you go touchdown for touchdown? Answer a drive. Maybe bring your team back late. So you know, like you said, you want answers with that game. Oh, you're going to get answers right now. And it has some, some, some. The, the, there's a lot on the line. It's yeah. magnified a little bit because it's a division game.
1: Yeah, I, I went out of division game for my nightmare, and I'm going to contradict a little with what I said on my dream. You don't want no matchup. answers now. Nope. No, I, I do want answers, but in a different way. My nightmare week one matchup is on the road at Seattle. You have a brand new offense with Deshaun Watson leading the show, a full offseason, new receivers. There is no harder place to play than Seattle. They lead the league That the Qualcomm Stadium, whatever their 12th man is. They get more false start penalties against the opposing team than any team in the league. It is the loudest stadium in the league. And also their defense is really freaking good. They mm-hmm. had a uh, top 10 rated secondary last year. They finished eighth in the league with 25 takeaways, seventh in the league with sacks, and they just drafted the best cornerback in football with the fifth pick, Devin Witherspoon, to pair up with Talik w- uh, Woolen, who was as good as any uh, rookie cornerback in the league last year. Would have won Rookie of the Year if it wasn't for Sauce Gardner. And they added your boy Bobby Wagner back. Mm-hmm. So you talk about a ravenous crowd, a potentially rainy situation because i believe it rains in seattle 99 out of 100 days so it's probably going to be a rainy wet football um a good team and they've also won five uh, four straight excuse me home openers and four straight week one games so uh pete Carroll, whatever it takes in the off season whatever his preparation schedule is he has those guys ready to play in week one they beat russell wilson uh in week one last year in that homecoming i do not want to see the browns traveling to seattle in their home, in their uh, week one matchup.
0: Well, they have two West Coast trips this year: the Rams and the Seahawks. They did ask the league to put them back to back. Kevin wants to take them out there and keep them out there. So, in your scenario, it really is a nightmare if they get their wish granted because they would stay on the West Coast and they'd go two at games? Seattle, at LA, and, and then, then come home.
1: Do you know? I don't
0: think that'll happen
1: though. Do you know if the NFL will grant that request? They have in
0: the past. In the, the, past? the Patriots like to do that. The Patriots just last year had two West Coast games. They were San Francisco and I think the Cardinals and they stayed out west in between. Bill likes doing that, likes keeping them out there. That's
1: genius. I mean, if, if the NFL will grant that, why doesn't every team kind of take it? I don't
0: know, and we'll see how much juice the Haslams have and Kevin Stefanski and Paul DiBodesta and Andrew Berry have if, they, if the league grants it or not. I know it's something that they would like to do. They'd like to stay out west if at all possible.
1: Well, in that scenario, you get the Rams in week two. I'd rather see the Rams later in the season because I think they're going to be horrendous and yeah. tanking later, but – It is what it is. Uh, We'll find out tonight who officially their week one opponent is. Like I said, there's a couple leaks on Twitter right now that indicate it may or may not be the Bengals at home, which certainly would be fun. It was Halloween last year, the home game on Monday Night Football against the Bengals. Uh, Two more things real quick. Anthony, do you want to do PCC now or at the end of the schedule talk?
2: Uh, We'll save it for the end of the schedule talk, Mike. That that sounds better.
1: All right. If you were to choose, and we'll find out tonight, would you guys rather have, and we'll start with G, we'll go Jason next, the first half of your schedule – be the easier half or the second half would you rather get off in theory to a hot start and have to fight your tougher opponents later or vice versa and kind of crawl out of a per- proverbial hole to then get uh, into the playoffs with some easier teams later in the season.
4: I would to, to me. There's no I, perfect answer. There, there's well even the question is kind of loaded because you got to think about it. You really never know from year to year what the team's going to be. So on paper You may see a team that is supposed to be a give me win. Let's go back to last year and compare and contrast. We get the Carolina Panthers on the road. We turned out that turned out to be a very difficult game with the Baker Mayfield. You come back and now you got the Jets. That was supposed to be a game you win. um, And instead of you winning the game going away like you it seemed like in the fourth quarter, you let them come back. They beat you in a catastrophic meltdown. And now you're one and one. And you're going into I think week three, and who did they play? Pittsburgh. You play uh, Pittsburgh Thursday night. Yep. Week three, Thursday night, Um, and they actually win that win that game, right? Yep. But you think about it, Pittsburgh beats them later in that year, and Pittsburgh actually finishes ahead of the Browns, right? Because they lost early in the year, they figured out their quarterback situation. So even if you start right, if you start with supposed gimme games. What happens is if you lose some of those gimme games. Now the thing is, oh snap! And our schedule after the bye week is crazy hard. Yeah. So now you—it's a psychological thing where hey, and and think we and not only did we never recover. I think the the team always thought about that Jets game. They're like, hey, we are, how many? We're 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 one win away from being. We should be undefeated right now. Then I, I believe they went to Atlanta, yep. and lose that game. Yep so now you are like wow we lost to atlanta without their best quarter but they're starting running backs um they had a bunch of people off the practice squad we've already lost to the jets when we should have won now you're sitting there at two and two and you feel sick now if it was two and two against really good teams it's different like wow we we got some other stuff that we can do jason this is easy give me the easy
0: start because i don't want to do a coaching search and i don't want to do coach firings and everything else (laughs) and we get a hard part, hard start to the season with the hard schedule to start the year. Gee, you've talked about the first six games. If that is the case, if it's two and four, mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to be around Berea. Me so yeah. give me a quick start. Give me some easy, easy games early. Let them get some confidence, get some confidence in their new schemes that they're running in the system. Let Deshaun and Kevin get some feel good vibes together calling this offense. I don't see anybody else get fired in Berea and figure this thing out and get off to a good start and then tackle the, once you get a little bit of momentum, you get some confidence, then you can worry about the, the hard part of the schedule in the second half.
1: I, I'm right there with Jason. I, I think confidence is so big, especially when you have a first first year quarterback. He was there last year, but not not fully there. A new offensive scheme, I think we all agree. Whatever the offense looks like, it's gonna be drastically yeah. different than what we saw last year. And even though I want my dream week one is the 49ers to get those answers, I don't have to be the 49ers and like four or five "Quote unquote cupcake games" to get them some confidence, to build that rapport, to get them rolling into the tougher games, as opposed to having to start out with, you know, your your 49ers, your Broncos, who may be better this year, your division games, because I think all three teams in the AFC North, outside of Cleveland, well, including Cleveland, are gonna be good this year. That that division is gonna be a bloodbath,
4: one way or another. You damn, that was a good ass point, Jason. It's crazy because. I, we say it all the time. I'll I be saying, oh, get, you know, this guy got to go. This person has to go. But we got to really think about it. Like, you got to really internalize. We've been through this before. That's the worst-case scenario. If you if they got to get another coach, we know how this thing looks. Yeah. If they got to – so now you're talking about another coach. Your quarterback is in another system. Now, you're talking about the philosophy of how you want to draft because the general manager could be there. Do you want to go from a 4-3 to a 3-4? Is it the right philosophy? Should Deshaun be playing? In it? It's just gee, brutal. Even bigger picture than
0: that, and we've touched on this on the show, if this thing unravels and they do have to clean house and they start blowing people out again, they're blowing out the roster too because I think you're going to see guys maybe even miles garrett saying okay that's enough yep, yep. i'm done here yep. yep like you guys we can't it's been how many years and we haven't figured this out yet get me out of here and i think that's absolutely it could come to that and you can't if that is the situation
1: if i i think we all agree none of us want that to no. happen but if it is you know i don't think we can blame miles garrett at that point for saying hey send me some place where i, I could win i've been no. here i put my dues in in cleveland I, I want a chance to play for a super bowl and if they start off slow and they blow it up again it they look like they're gonna have to go through some sort of rebuild with a new coach and a new roster construction. I could see Chubb asking. I could see Garrett asking. I mean, Watson's locked in here with his contract. I can't imagine they'd move him. At least they have that centerpiece to build around with a, a different roster. Well, but they would I don't a lot know of the but, big guys would be out of here.
4: I, I think it wouldn't even come down to those guys asking. I just think when you when you start over like that. The new regime's gonna come in and say, "Okay, well, we just gave up our first three first-round picks for my, for Deshaun Watson. How can we get those back? All right, well, what's Miles Garrett worth? What's Joe Batonio worth? What's yeah. what's Nick Chubb worth? Like, it, it becomes one of those fire sale things, and then you kind of end up with a situation like the Rams. Yes. Like, But we don't have the championship to show for it. It, it
1: all works if you win a title. <laughs> yes. And you like, can live with it all if you have a Super Bowl to look back on and say this was worth it because we have this. And yeah, I'm, holding right. a, I'm holding
4: the fantasy football trophy right there. If you don't have it, it's a failure. We, we just now, – now we're – and so when I say I, – I, I just give you a disclaimer about that. Even if I say this is not working, trust me, that's the last thing anybody – should want to do. And if I'm right about that, no, I'm
0: wrong. So give me an easy start to the schedule. Give me a couple of cupcakes, a couple of layups earlier. Although, if it's the Bengals, that's not a layup at all. But get a couple of those easy wins on the schedule early, chip and putt a little bit, mm-hmm. get your rhythm, and then tackle the meat of it when when everybody's saved yeah. and probably no one's getting fired season right. at least.
2: Anthony, what's the internet saying? So, yeah, guys, we went out and we were talking to everybody about their dream matchups, and it's always brought to you by PCC Airfoils. Looking for a new job with career advancement and great benefits? PCC Airfoils is a leading manufacturer in Northeast Ohio. In all locations of PCC Airfoils in Eastlake, Menor, Wycliffe, and Minerva are hiring for all positions starting at $18 and up. Plus, get full-time benefit package, paid time off, and a signing bonus. Apply at precast.com slash careers to learn more. So, we got a couple answers here. Uh, right off the bat, we have Graham Dog 6 I think this is his nightmare scenario. It would be one of mine. Is Cleveland versus Kansas City here at home, which is – They ugh. play Kansas City this year? They're not even on schedule. I don't think they play Kansas City I don't this
4: think year. they play Kansas City this year, right? I
2: don't have the schedule off the yeah. top of my head, but I'm no. reading the answers I don't, that we got. I don't so think that's they play still a nightmare. Uh, then we've got Corey Gralith is Dream. his the Texans. Is the nightmare is Jacksonville. Okay. We've got Dream Away at Tampa Bay and Nightmare Away at Chiefs, which, once again, we're not sure if they play them uh, SCR. No. They, yeah, they, scenario, I don't think they play the Chiefs. They don't. They don't play the or Chiefs. The Buccaneers. I don't remember grabbing their logo.
0: The road the opponents graphics. are Denver, Houston, Indy, Rams, and Seattle. Those are the road.
2: Yeah, they don't play the Buccaneers either. Yeah, guys, your matchups are – don't worry about it. <laughs> It's the only answers we got, so we appreciate. <laughs> we appreciate. No, no, I, mean, I, I, we I love listen, asking you
0: guys. In this case, my but... dream scenario would be playing Kent State in the opener. <laughs> well, I was gonna, what, what's, the,
1: what's the Canadian Football League that Johnny Manziel? No, you want to know who you take?
4: You take,
0: uh, Wall- you take
2: the Wallace Football Team Week
1: One.
4: Wall-
0: of the the U- Wallace. Wallace. <laughs> Maybe the Calgary Stampeders Week the Stam- One. Yeah, yeah. It
4: was it Montreal? Alouettes. Montreal. The Montreal
1: Alouettes, That's what it was. There. Yeah, yeah. That's. Toronto
0: were... Argonauts. Yep, Wines. Saskatchewan, Rough Riders. Now, you know what? Is it Saskatchewan, the Rough yeah. What's Calgary? Boogie, Stampede. Bo- Stampede. Yeah, that's right. yeah.
1: Boogies are due, but let's absolutely stomp the crap out of the Pittsburgh Mallers <laughs> and just yeah. hold, a, hold a giant W flag over the yeah. city of Pittsburgh. We love you, Boogie, but that is, in, in reality, if you can make any dream Get matchup. Get
4: you some of that Joe Batonio every play, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, Anything so we, else, Anthony?
2: No, that was it for us, and then we're going to move on, guys. So Deshaun Watson's taking the entire offense, except for the offensive line on a trip to Puerto Rico. Screw the linemen. What was that?
0: (laughs) Screw the linemen. Hey,
2: look, those are the guys that protect you. So I just want to – like, do you guys think that's a big deal? And in this conversation, I just want to remind you guys that Lorraine County Community College, register now for summer and fall classes. You can learn more at lorraineccc.edu. It's Lorraine County Community College, your classes, your future. Uh, Great community college out there. I had a couple friends that love it out there. I see why
1: Bull hates that shot, by the way. Steve, I know there's no better way to do it, but now, now I totally get the slow zoom in. I don't know what yeah. to do with my hands, my head. I told you, it's You're awful. Right. It, yes. it's, a, it's a tough. From that perspective, back where Anthony's sitting now, I, I get why we do it. Uh, see- it it's a tough shot. Tough I, and to and
4: I, I'm just tall enough where you can still see my face like <laughs> you, so, yeah I could be like yeah <laughs> you still see it but yeah I, I see what y'all are talking about by the way the tires look crazy tires, tires do look. Awesome. I, keep, I, I can't keep wait to plug them
1: in we, we, hopefully tires by Monday we'll have the uh, electrical setup configured to where we can plug those in they light up red it's gonna look really cool back to the Sean Watson Puerto Rico no offensive lineman big deal no deal
0: It's no, there's nothing for him to do. Like if you're running routes with receivers and backs, then what are the line? Like are the linemen gonna go through their protections (laughs) and against, nope, like there's nothing. Listen, Deshaun Watson's gonna take care of his linemen. All right, they may not be part of this trip, but I promise you he's getting them gifts or he's getting them something. Uh, He'll take care of the guys who protect him. I don't think it's that big of a deal that they're not on this trip. There's nothing for him to do other than lay on the beach, which I'm sure the other guys enjoy doing.
4: Though, see linemen are different. So I'll give you, I'll give you a case in point. So usually people don't understand that the linemen are secluded. Like the linemen, O-line hangs with the O-line, D-line hangs with the D-line. And offensive linemen, pretty much, to me, offensive linemen will probably be the smartest guys on the team, on the team. Like, they are quirky a little bit. They're homebodies, they they like to be at home. they do like they value, if they're gonna do something, they'll get together. Because if you're offensive lineman. You and you in hand to hand combat every single day. So there is no reason for you to even be on that trip. Joe Batonio does not want to go to Puerto Rico and sit out there with his beard. What are you going to do there? He'd rather be at the house. Some of these guys, you know, is probably on a farm somewhere hanging out. They're not. They're not doing that. Like, so even if he did invite them, they would they would graciously say. I'm going to bow out of this one, have fun. All they're going to be doing is doing 7-on-7 and watching films and cutups anyway. So it's not like, it's not it's not the same. Like, O-linemen o- don't want to go to that. Yeah. Heck, D-linemen don't.
1: I-, I think Jason said it best. Like, Watson will find a way to take care of the big guys up front. You hear, you've hear you heard in the past, and I'm not sure if Watson has done this, but quarterback, they've, they've bought their guys, their offensive watches, Rolex. suits, Rolexes, yep. Yep. something like that. They don't have a spot in the seven-on-seven, quote-unquote, retreat in Puerto Rico. And I'm sure if Batonio or Wyatt Teller or Pochich was like, hey, Deshaun, I want to come down just for a trip to Puerto Rico, he's got the money. He could have he added them to the trip. I'm sure it was asked and they declined. It's not like he's excluding them by any means. And you see this happen a lot throughout the NFL where the quarterbacks take their, their playmakers. They get excused from voluntary camp to go work on their own things outside of the facility on these exotic retreats resorts wherever they go and it does build chemistry and i do like the fact that watson for the second year in a row has been proactive in trying to develop the chemistry off the field with his receivers his tight ends his backs to hopefully have that translate on the field it's not exclusive watson is certainly not the only quarterback in the league doing this but i'd rather have my guy be part of the group that is doing it than be one of the few that does it and then you have to have that discussion of Oh, Deshaun Watson may not be taking his guys to Puerto Rico or the Bahamas this year. Is there beef inside? We don't have to deal with that anymore. Watson is on the right side of this argument, and kudos to him for taking his guys to Puerto Rico. And if he wants to take us, hey, Deshaun, <laughs> we're available.
4: I hope. I I, I hope what, what's going on is because this is the thing about a new offense. I hate new offenses because there's always a built-in new offensive excuse. Well, you know, the Browns changed the way they 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 want to. You know philosophically look at the offensive side of the football. They're not as running as much. There's not as much play action. And if it struggles, i are like, well, it's going to take time. Which, guess what? It, it, it is going to take a little bit of time, even though I'm a very impatient person when it comes to certain things like that. However, my hope is you and Stefanski have been around each other. You and Stefanski and the offensive coordinator have your basic bread and butter stuff down. So now, guess what? Stefanski can't bring them in during OTAs or during their time off and go over routes, but you can. So hopefully you got the basic playbook and you're running through that. So by the time you get to camp, all that basic stuff, everybody has it. We don't got to have no, no extra reps. We don't got to have people not know what they are doing. And now we can build on that more quickly to get more advanced concepts into the playbook. Now, Deshaun Watson is a very smart individual. Have you ever heard him talk about football? He's Savant. He's just, he remembers all kind of stuff, and he did safeties, and this is over here. Like, he's very impressive on the whiteboard. So, hopefully, he's getting those guys down there and working on this new playbook that Jason Lloyd talks about all the time.
1: Have you had a chance to speak with Deshaun at all on, like, whiteboard quarterback stuff, football stuff like that?
4: No.
0: It was... It's weird. Quarterbacks hardly ever in the locker room when we're there except for the days that he talks, and then they sort of whisk him in and whisk him out. So I've had a couple of opportunities just to say hi to him and make really quick small talk, but in terms of anything of actual substance, not yet. Hopefully this year.
1: Have you ever had that with a previous Browns? Is that something that they've ever, I don't say, allowed the media to do or, or helped you facilitate? Uh, setup?
0: No, Baker didn't really like talking. Fair.
1: I forgot. Yeah, that's And
0: that's, uh, that's who – That's I came in – I started hanging around the Browns in 2018. So that's really been my only exposure is Baker and now Deshaun.
1: Do you think this would be awesome if they would? They let you get on a whiteboard Josh Dobbs? Oh, yeah. You yeah. Should, you should do that. Josh Dobbs is the – I mean, we know the whole rocket scientist thing. Yeah. I covered him in Tennessee. Like, the smartest dude ever, G. I know you said offensive linemen, the smartest mm-hmm. guys. I promise you, Josh Dobbs. IQ-wise, the smartest dude
4: in that – Oh, rock. no, well, like, no, no. He's, he's, he's it, over the top. yeah, smart. yeah. yeah. You should literally,
1: if you don't, I'm going to ask. They, they don't like me over there. Or they, I don't think they don't like me. They just never answer any of our requests. <laughs> well, so it is the, Browns, is what, the Browns are Browns little You should different. definitely try and set that up. That actually would be an awesome piece.
4: Yeah, I could do that. I'd play around with that.
1: Josh Dobbs is a genius.
4: Now, now, I, well, the, out of all, out of all these rocket scientists, right? All these, <laughs> out of all of them? Like, all one. I mean, I <laughs> mean, I mean, everybody. I know too. That, everybody that graduated from Harvard or some other school somewhere, out of all of that, do you? Because we, we sat there and we watched the Super Bowl, and and when you say offense, right, new offense, the the little corks and screws that go off in your mind, you start to say Andy Reid offense, <laughs> like. <clears throat> and I don't think I don't think it's gonna be that. Like when you say a new offense, what is that w- w- evoking your mind as to what they possibly will run? Uh. I think we're done with 13 personnel. I don't think we're gonna
0: see three tight ends on the field anymore, probably not a lot oh. of 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field. Should we have a funeral for that? No, no, no. Just let it die a gruesome yeah, yeah, death, Yeah, yeah. starve yes. it to death. Yes. Don't feed it, just let it go. But I, you know, I think you're gonna see a lot of receivers on the field and you're gonna see plays where Kevin and Deshaun are gonna work together and draw up what Deshaun's comfortable with. And I think part of the reason that Cedric Tillman is here is the fact that when plays break down, he can go win a jump ball. And that's what Deshaun likes to do is he likes to freelance a little bit. And if he gets flushed from the pocket, he's gonna keep plays alive. And he's got a big target down the field now to just throw it up and, and let his guy go make a play. And I don't wanna to treat Toman like a first round pick. He's not, I don't wanna treat him like George Pickens. He's not, you know, he's gotta prove it on the field first. But he, my only point is he's a big body who could be an emergency valve in a situation to go make a play and dpj did that a little bit there was times where i think it was also other opportunities for him that he didn't get it done uh we see this, a speed threat now in elijah moore that they didn't have before a guy who can really stretch the field and again someone Deshaun can go make a play with i think sometimes the browns routes were very rigid and the receivers were very rigid and when deshaun tried to freelance a little bit he didn't have cooperation on the back end The guys didn't know quite what to do because the route said i'm supposed to do this so why is he over there? And hopefully they've diversified that a little bit more to where uh, they can get a little bit more flexibility in the, in the play routes.
1: It, and we're gonna go to Anthony in one sec, but we had Mark Price on earlier. And to that exact point with basketball, you go to guys like Jason Capone and Kyle Corbett, like pure spot of three point shooters. They need a certain play. They need, they're gonna come off a double screen, yep. a pin down, catch and shoot. That mm-hmm. is what they do. If you need them to create, they are not the guys for you. And I think now with this, receiving core for the browns they have a lot more guys who can fit the creativity of watson and when you have a guy like mark price a traditional point guard you could run said place for kyle Corver and jason capono yeah when you have a point guard like donovan mitchell or deshaun watson in this case or Darius Garland, who's a creator improviser you need guys who can improvise off the improviser and i think that's what tillman i think that's what elijah moore i think that's what those kind of receivers can bring to this offense that we didn't see last year anthony what's up?